सहनावतु सहनौभुनक्तु सहवीर्यम करवावहै so good morning good evening so last week anyone want to summarize last week's gd I can take a shot at it. Um, so last week, uh, we we actually initially summarized uh, the earlier uh, parts of Atma Bodha, and then we spoke about, if I'm not mistaken, 25 to no 25 30 or 30 to 35 um, uh, yeah. verses. But primarily 30, 31 to 35. 30. Yeah, 31 to 35. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, you know, we we spoke um, about. Um, meditation, actually, most of the discussions meandered around meditation. And um, uh, yeah, so sp spoke about different aspects of it. And it, it, this is also leading to it in, in any case, right? It is leading towards Nidityasana. So we often, um, uh, when, we, when we use the word meditation, you know, it's a very overloaded term, no doubt. We discussed that in this group. But uh, we often um, think of it in a certain way that only certain things are meditation, but uh, it became clear or it will be clear in the coming verses also that uh, um, uh, uh, that meditating on self or nidityasanam is also a type of meditation, which is contemplation, right? It's contemplating the truth, contemplating on this, uh, uh, on the Mahavakyas, if you will, and that where it's pointing and to see for ourselves because that's the only way, right? So, um, so that is a form of meditation. Uh, and uh, I, I personally, I feel that should be included as one type of meditation and, and considered as part of that. Yeah. So, so we spoke about that and spoke about individual experiences with meditation. And we also said, hey, you know what? It, it actually would be nice to have in this group uh, a place where we can talk about it uh, freely in terms of where we are at and what type of experiences uh, and, and to share that uh, to the extent that anyone is comfortable sharing. So um, anything else, Krishna, that you can remember? No, that summarized it well. Uh, the, I think the initial parts of the, the discussion was started with about the ego, how we have to clear up the mind. Uh, the ego needs to be destroyed before you can get that self-realization. So that the, the destruction of the mind and the ego were like what formed the basis of the six or seven shlokas in the chapter. We started from there and then it went to meditation, not the discussion. Nice. That is that is really good. So um, so we are starting off with verses 38 today, right? Yep. So anyone want to start off with your insights? Yeah, for me, this looked like a very good, uh, we had like a nice precursor of that discussion with Sharda ji and uh, because they are talking about exactly uh, Sarvikalpa Samadhi and Nirvikalpa 
samadhi and then like zooming into that and then trying to explain the different states through that and i thought oh this was like really short versions of oh this is how you get there these are the problems uh, but doesn't go into great detail or anything and then uh, having heard that parallelly from a person who went through the various uh, stages of sitting through uh, i thought was super helpful and relatable uh, but yes this definitely needs more deep diving because it just says oh these are the three problems you have like this misunderstanding you have this chanchalam uh, uh, in your mind uh, and then you have the ignorance that you are not everything so but but those are very simply said in one verse as opposed to being able to remember that and do that all the time uh, yeah no i completely get it i think uh, that's uh, practice is very important in this whole thing in a regular practice <laughs> that's why you know uh, uh, when uh, when kishore was talking about saying that my daily practice is going on uh, i was reminded of king richard that movie where he he keeps his mind on the goal you know even when his daughters were so young venus and serena williams were so young he keeps his mind on the goal saying that you know they're going to get the wimbledon and he despite all the difficulties he just keeps keeps at it that's that's a very cute movie actually you should check it out so um, uh, rajesh it's very nice you mentioned it in the same way so one of the shlokas uh, it says the the price you pay for this is 100% vairagya so if you pay 100% vairagya the benefit is 100% moksha ananda bliss that's what he says so it's like a very he says it's a super easy trade off to make you should be able to pay 100% vairagya if you are promised 100% ananda <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice one actually <laughs> yeah so in case you have not watched that movie you know you should watch it uh, king richard it's a very cute movie so one thing is uh, you know in the initial part of this um, uh, you know the i'm i'm looking at the 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 text that that was shared right so he talks about a closer look at samadhi right and then um you know first it talks about getting the senses under control and then to get to the the uh, samadhi state which in many ways so this is where you know this intersection with uh, with yoga is very uh, clear you know finally no matter which way you talk about meditation it finally comes down to getting the mind to one thought first from many and then so that you can first get it under a certain level of control and then you can contemplate because you just cannot contemplate when your mind is so uh, filled with uh, distractions so it's it's very hard right so getting it to one place getting it um, uh, somewhat in control and then to be able to contemplate is is how i read it I, i don't know if others felt the same um yeah so here i i think in in page 50 uh, 57 i think yeah getting uh, actually he talks about the sense being under control which is yeah which is part of the ashtanga yoga uh, pratyahara and dharna as an example and then to be able to contemplate on uh, on the self so it's, so it's kind of 
you know, it's 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 all <laughs> mingled. There is no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Actually, did you? Uh, I don't know if if I I or somebody else reposted this video um, that was uh, that was in the Bits main group. It's about this kung fu master from Germany, you know, who gave a TED talk for about fifteen minutes. Did you? Did I? Did we repost it in this group? If you can, that'll be great. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah please. So. I, yeah, I, do. I think it was shared. Yeah, I think it was shared. Was. was it not? I don't recall because you know, uh, at that time, you know, at least I personally shifted my attention to debating on the main group. So uh, I think I, I may have missed it. Vivi, did we share it in this group as well? Uh, I remember listening to it, but I'm not sure whether it was from the main group or from the Gita group. Okay, but I definitely remember listening to it. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, we should repost it. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely repost it. That's a great video. So this, there is this kung fu master who is like a who who holds, uh, you know, n number of uh, educational degrees, like you know, multiple MBAs and you know, Bachelor of Science, Master of Science, and all that stuff. And then finally, he becomes a Shaolin Temple Master. Okay. In Germany, think about it, okay? And he gives a he gives a fifteen minute TED talk, and there he talks about uh, uh, how do you go to how do you climb a mountain using an analogy of climbing a mountain. He talks about how you go about it, and one of the things that he beautifully beautifully expresses it is that in terms of sense control, since sure you talked about sense control, the analogy what he uses is let's say that you're climbing on the mountain, and suddenly you see a, a, a small restaurant kind of a thing. Okay, or a small place where there is some eateries, and then you decide to stop by because you're taking a rest. Okay, and you want to eat something and drink something, and then, you know, you start indulging in that particular, enjoying it, and then suddenly your goal just goes away, and then you, you are. So he says that you know you need to pull back from from those those kind of distractions and then move forward. Very beautifully expressed, actually. Right. Right, and and in the Gita there is a good analogy, right? Of that of a tortoise. Uh, in this case, he says um, the four legs are the, the four legs and the head, right? That's five, and the tail, right? The head being the mind, the four legs and the tail being the five five sense organs, right? And then getting the mind, um, in the sense the uh, the manas, the the um, emotional mind, to also be pull pull in from that is the toughest part, right? Yeah. You know, the sense organs, sure, you can sit in a very quiet place with, there's no smell, there's no, obviously you're not tasting anything. Um, and there is, you're, you've closed your eyes, no signals coming in. That is much more easier. But then once you do that, and then you are face to face with your mind, which is filled with thoughts. And uh, it really depends on what you have done the previous hours um, because that is going to lead into what your mind is going to do at that point, what you've eaten, how much you've slept, how much, uh, what type of activity, how much activity, everything um, leads up to what your mind is going to um, tell you, I mean, how, how much activity there is going to be in the mind. So it's going to be hard to pull back from it. If um, the mind is already not in a, a reasonably calm state, so leading up everything leading up to this and then to to some extent a, a simple pranayama a simple um, focus on breathing just nothing nothing fancy just being able to slow, slow breathe for a few minutes because the mind and um, breath are in in um, what do you say they they are so tightly um, bound 
So those all lead up to a mind that can be put in, in a calm state, right? So th that's how I see it. And then finally, kind of you pull everything in and then see for yourself now that then the intellect is there. Uh, and uh, after that, um, you, once we go past that, you, you get a glimpse of what, what it is like. Yeah. Well said, uh, Kishore. That's, uh, that's good. So, uh, see, one of, you know, getting back to the topic of meditation that we talked about some time back, right? One of the things that I have personally seen, uh, a transition that keeps happening, is that, uh, you know, when we meditate, at least when I meditate, I think, you know, there is, um, some days there is an emphasis on certain aspects of um, um, the medita meditation process. Like some days, um, I noticed that, you know, I'm not able to do any meditation at all for some days. Okay. Uh, some days I'm, I'm able to, um, because, you know, if, for, for multiple reasons, some days, you know, I, I feel that the body is just not sitting down. So there's some, some resistance in the body at the body level. Right. And then that is the time I say, okay, no, I cannot sit for meditation. Then I go do something, maybe a walking or a yoga or something like that. And then calm, calm down the body. I, I noticed that traditionally happening with me quite often. There are some other days when the, uh, when I'm not able to control my sense organs, some, some sense organs, I'm not able to control. There's a certain craving for something. And then again, it disturbs the meditation, right? Again, you know, I need to probably do something else, like, you know, maybe do some pranayama and then get, get there. The, there are some other times when the mind is filled with so many thoughts that, you know, even if the body is okay and the senses are okay, the mind is really struggling to stay in one thought. And that's where I find Japa helps a little bit for me. Okay. Yeah. Doing Japa helps a little bit and uh, it's able to focus the mind on it, mind on, on uh, one particular thought. Not that, you know, it keeps, it, it, it does not always stay in that one, one thought, but it keeps going in multiple ways, but it, it gets, gets back. There's an effort, but it, 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 it gets back. Um, and some days, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, all, all these, all these elements, the body, the senses and the mind are reasonably calm. And then you go straight away into meditation. And those days I don't even do Japa. I get into Nididhyasana. Okay. But there also, I'm sharing this because, you know, I'm, I'm finding this happening to me. And maybe, you know, if you guys are also um, uh, relating to it, you know, echo, echo it back to me, either in the same way or in a different way, your experience, so I can understand it better. So there, there where, when I, when I go into Nididhyasanam, there I, I find two obstacles, okay? Uh, actually, two paths. It's a fork, not an obstacle. It's a fork. One path is some days when I'm able to accept that Aham Brahmasmi, that acceptance is there readily, then it becomes easier for me to do, you know, Brahmakara, on that Brahmakara Vritti, you can do Nididhyasana. But there are some days when, you know, I don't think I accept it. Then it becomes very difficult for me to do Nididhyasana. Yeah. So there's a struggle. Some days there is no struggle, some days there's a struggle. So what happens when you struggle, when there is a struggle? No, so I take the easy route. When I struggle, I just say, "Let me go back to Japan and I'll just do ah, Japa. Go okay. back, step back. Because to this, one, is one level this is a practice. This is a practice. There's right. no, there's no, uh, yeah, you know, thinking process here. It's just a exactly, practice. exactly, yeah. yeah. 
I completely echo uh, what you're saying. I, I think I, I go through the exact same set of phases. Uh, there are days when things are, um, they've just lined up really well, right? I mean, but then more often than not, the, the days are, it, 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 it's, uh, you know, as you pointed out, there are days when the body is not ready. Like yesterday, I can just relate because there are, there are a lot of things happening at work. And I really, on Friday, heading into Friday and evening, there was just too many things on my mind, right? So I knew getting in, getting up on Saturday that it was just hard for me to uh, sit because the mind was so uh, agitated. Uh, not agitated, there's just too many thoughts, too many, too many ideas going on and so on. So I, I put, um, I actually took a notebook and started writing down the ideas, right? To get that off the mind and put it down. So I spent almost an hour doing that. And only then I was able to sit. So I did that, right? Because it's just not going to be possible with a mind in, in that kind of a form, which then it was fine. After that, it was fine. So as you pointed out, you know, going for a walk, there are days when I just um, uh, take the Bhagavad Gita book and read if it's not possible uh, or just listen to a talk because, hey, meditation is not possible today, right? So uh, those are all things uh, that, that happen. Uh, and then and, and there are other days when I might just do pranayama because uh, it's, it seems you, if we try to get to the mind, you know, to get the mind to be calm, but it's not. So then fall back into uh, pranayama and focus primarily on that and then can't try again, right? Because, um, and then often um, based on Swami T's book, where he talks about a sankalpa, right? In the beginning of the meditation. And to literally tell your mind, um, oh mind, this is, you know, for the next 30 to minutes to an hour, I would like to set aside everything, right? Um, I know there's a lot of work and there is all these things that you need to do and so on, but let's set aside everything, right? And it's like a sankalpa and a request or a um, request to your own mind, basically saying, I know you're trying to help me, but for the next 30 minutes, why don't you also take a break? Uh, and then let's get on, on it after that together more efficiently, right? Um, if that also doesn't work, sometimes the next gear, which is of, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not this person. I'm not a father. I'm not a son. I'm not a, a husband or I'm not a brother. I'm not a friend, right? R ruling out all the roles, ruling out one by one, all the roles. That's that's the next level, if you will. I mean, if it's very agitated. So to spend more time in the sankalpa um, before trying back in going back into it. That, because struggling with the mind is, is taking a huge step backwards if if you actually force it, right? Um, and that's uh, that's the anti of what we are supposed to be doing. So it's better to step back into the previous step and then spend more time there and then try again if it's, it doesn't happen that day it is not going to happen. <laughs> no, I, I, so I'm with you on, on, on that. Yeah, just to add to that, like a lot of the steps that sometimes I go through too, I saw that in uh, Shloka 46, uh, it is very beautifully, there is a simile. Uh, the, the term actually Adishankaracharya uses is Dig Brahmadivat, confusion of directions. And then for that, the, the commentary on that is, what are all the various confusions? And there's like 11 of them, 
uh, that is listed there like who gets lost without direction uh, then there is darkness uh, then they do not know which way they are going um, and then uh, getting hit by stones or wood on the rough road on the terrain and then experiencing sorrow on the path and so on so it's like 11 steps that's listed and then uh, the mapping on to the advaita vedanta mumukshu's journey there's jiva advaita and uh, aham kara mamakara and so on going all the way to brahma marga and then moksha that there is a very nice parallel going on between that that listing is really cool actually i i i i read it and i was really yeah. amazed at the um you know the beauty of it yep 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 yeah one thing i notice in my meditation is like as much as we uh, or i try to do the sankalpam and the japam and the concentration just like some random stray thought like you never know where the hell this thing is coming from uh sorry for swearing but uh, random thought suddenly comes up and then it just leads you on a train like and you yeah. think i'm just telling this jabam and i'm concentrating i just calm down my breath and everything and you still figure out where this thing came from like uh, yeah it's, it's just mind blowing yeah. how how much there is like something stored yeah, and, yeah. and even and then i relate this to like one of the lectures swami parmatananda said like if you if you take away all your uh, body actions you sit down now you take away all your sense organs you close your eyes you are in a clean place so there is no smell or hearing or anything your mind still wants to do something it just does not uh, yeah. want to want to remain you you would think like all the extrovertedness is now stop it becomes its like own thing no oh, let me just create and kindle what is all in there uh, that part was just like mind blowing to me how that process works yeah yeah <laughs> he gives two examples uh, one is he says it's a noodle's mind so when you pick one thought a bunch of thoughts come up along with it you can never pick like one noodle strand by itself like there is generally a, a bunch of things and then the other term uh, he expresses is monkey mind so you would be in one thought and you would not even know how how it keeps jumping up to three or four related things and then when you are at the fifth or sixth thought you do not even know what triggered those points and like why you had to think about those other things you as as much as you never consciously started off with just unbelievable yeah <laughs> yeah completely so krishna you krishna you aptly described my meditation session ऑफ just keep coming back and stay focused on the mantra itself or the meaning of it or the image that you try at least i try to focus on while saying mantra so it's it's very challenging and yeah. and i mean just sharing my experience i think i feel like a victory if i can just maybe for few seconds you know 
the, there are no thoughts like, or there are, uh, I'm able to concentrate on the japa itself. But but BP, it's it's. I think it's okay that the mind gets distracted. I think it's okay, you know, like what Krishna described, you know, some vague thought if it comes at any point of time when we are doing japa. I think it's okay. Yeah, it, it is yeah. going to do it. About <laughs> that's the nature of the mind. It's going to do that, right? Um, yeah, no. I, but each time you bring it back, that that's the key thing. Each of those moments that you you are able, to, you are aware that the mind has drifted away. Each of those is a precious moment, actually. Uh, where uh, yeah. things are being, things are being, uh, you know, your new lines are being drawn uh, in the subconscious. Right. No, it's great you mentioned. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so because I, I was just going to say that as I was reading the Sarkalpa Samadhi, I said, boss, this road is, too, this is so far, far away. <laughs> No, no, yeah, no, I would say, um, yeah, no, it is certainly uh, achievable, right? In the, in the sense, not as an achievement, but it, uh, it's something, it's a good, it's obviously, really good goal uh, to have, right? In the um, Atma Bodha lecture by Swami Aparajatanand, um, he says that, uh, you know, mind will have all these different thoughts. And it will go all over the place. And uh, he says that uh, you should try to, you know, uh, tell, I mean, you basically want to say, I am the consciousness, I'm the witness of these thoughts. So mm -hmm. he recommends that, you know, we try to start disassociating from the mind also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah. you know, mind was having whatever thoughts, but then you say, no, I'm just the, I'm witness, the witness of the mind that is having yeah. these thoughts. Yeah. Actually, Manu, I, I do that uh, quite a bit. That's that's in a in a way it is mindfulness. Um, well, what is being called as mindfulness? Any, anyway, it's all part of the uh, of a uh, standard meditation practice. Uh, disassociating it and viewing it as a witness, um, because one key thing there is what I realize: the the more you observe the mind, the more calmer it gets without doing anything else. If you are able to observe this right the mere act of observation changes the mind you see what i mean that's that's, that's what i realized just the act of observation changes it so uh, that to me is the fundamental um prop, you know i would say on which mindfulness is actually based the act yeah, of observation changes it <laughs> It sounds like it's almost a chicken and egg thing, right? Do you first calm the mind and then? <laughs> it has know, to be, yeah. Or you it first <laughs> say, I'm the witness calm, and then that uh, calms it. Yeah, relatively it, calm and then. It has to get to that state, right? Now, if you walk mm -hmm. backwards, that's where it becomes interesting because what we do on a daily basis, the choices we make um, with, with respect to everything we else we do in life, everything comes down to this right to this moment because the, when we when we are in the state and see the mind ourselves um we see that it cannot be calm it is not in its yeah. nature to be calm because of decades and maybe multiple lives of uh, distracted behavior but so what then do you do right so we start to change things right from uh, our what we do in, in daily life right so yeah. Yeah, Rajesh, you sorry, know, you were about No, no, I was, when Manu was saying that, you know, you, you have to be witness consciousness, I was, 
I have this visual of me, okay, getting, you know, I'm, uh, when I when I do this meditation, some days I get this visual. It sounds so silly, but I'm going to share this nevertheless. I'm like a, this like cowboy with this huge hat, okay, with a big lasso. And I'm trying to catch one particular thought. <laughs> but that thought is eluding me completely. <laughs> so I'm not, not a witness conscious. I'm that cowboy for me in my mind. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Uh, I think like one, one good reinforcement message to hear uh, was that that it is natural like so in spite of all the other uh, other obstacles uh, even even if you keep everything away and only the mind and the mind is going to do its own thing and bring up all this noodles thought and monkey thoughts and so on uh, but the the lessons that we learn through the shravanam so that's what swamiji uh, emphasizes is bring all these lessons and realize or know that um, know that the mind is going to do this. It is going to bring up certain thoughts. The problem, and that is the nature. So there is absolutely nothing, no matter what thought comes, like uh, Andy explains, a wide variety of stuff. So no matter what thought comes, you are thinking, oh, I'm doing this meditation. Why did I think of this movie or this movie star? Or it could be anything, right? That is exactly what the mind will do. But the problem comes like when you start entertaining that thought, then you go deeper into it. So that is when, and the, uh, the, the analogy I've seen so beautifully explaining is like the stirring. So when the single thought comes, it is going to be like a flat uh, thing. There is nothing to flow. It will just flow and quickly fall off the edge. But if you entertain a particular thought, and it happens in neuroscience as well, like your brain is then creating all the grooves, what we call like vasanas, the equivalent thing, where you're creating all these grooves and paths for the mind to take. And then once your thoughts then go through those uh, pre-trained terrains, because we have given our own intelligence to it and created the path, then uh, the thoughts tend to flow through that way because there is some vasanas and other directions easily put for it to flow rather than just obstructing it or, or uh, letting it just freely flow out without any friction. Um, so, so sometimes it helps to kind of think of these distractions or this jumping jumping of the mind itself as like a uh, feedback mechanism. Oh, maybe we have done something else in the past or thought too much about this particular topic. That 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 is why this chain of thoughts occur or this bunch of thoughts come up together when I just try to pull one. And uh, yeah, like the meta act of observing it cuts off that connection and makes that thing weaker. So yeah, that that definitely helps observing why this came up or why this thought should suddenly occur or sometimes yeah that that oh this line of indulging deeper into this particular stream of thought is bad so um Krishna, to that point uh, in that talk does swamiji say to contemplate on why this happened why that thought came uh no 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 the the main i i actually don't remember he, he says that the why is always described only by uh, vasanas. What right. we have done, it could be just yeah. all the various inputs that we have gotten and indulged in, in this right. life or even in the past life, right? Yes. So that's the very, very important thing. It's just like all these vasanas have created that inclination to flow. And this yeah. kind of explains also this like, 
some person is very young like one student wants to get up at 6 am and study or go for tennis practice another person just wants to sleep for two hours how is this that initial choice created right yeah and the explanation is uh, vasanas right right yeah yeah so so here um one thing from swami t really really changed um i would say uh impacted the meditation positively which is when you're observing these thoughts right um you, you know at, at those moments when we are observing try to uh, actually um tell yourself not to verbalize those thoughts don't put it into words oh. right so yes these thoughts are coming but then um uh, tell the mind hey let's not verbalize it so what i am noticing in my own meditation is that um, when i don't verbalize it the chaining of thoughts seems to stop it's not going from one so thoughts do come up but it seems to not go into the next uh, part of the chain leading to another thought leading to another and then off i go somewhere else right so the verbalizing part helps in not chaining in the, not the thought not coming it itself but the chaining part seems to weaken uh, when we don't verbalize it that that's what i'm noticing so just want to point out yeah actually if you guys uh, uh, you know take a minute right google up for something called uh, two wolves okay wolf w o l v e s two wolves so there is this uh, i think it comes out of some movie i do not know what movie it is so basically you know there are two wolves it says that there are two wolves in you, within you in both all kinds of thoughts and, and they are ca- characterized by the two wolves the question is which one will win okay the answer is it's not the good wolf or the bad wolf that wins it's the one that you feeds that wins beautiful yeah check that thing out it's a very beautiful one that's that's interesting okay we'll do rajesh the question is who's feeding the wolf the mind yes the mind is feeding the wolf or it could be even the senses it could be even the intellect so um let me ask here now that we are talking about meditation and we <laughs> we are at the level of mind and intellect right um in meditation um do you differentiate between the emotional mind and the rational mind the intellect um and how do you normally see that right so i i i follow a certain way but uh, you know or our in terms of understanding later like oh this is actually the intellect talking oh this is the uh, this is the mind you know so <laughs> i don't know does it come up uh, in your meditation do you actually see okay okay no for me it, it does not come up but uh, maybe okay. maybe it does but i don't observe it okay okay interesting yeah kishore i am so lost in those thoughts that i forget which one is coming from where whether it's emotional okay. or more decision one uh, yeah, but yeah. that's interesting now yeah. now you see you're you're feeding the wrong wolf now i'm going to think on those lines <laughs> <laughs> so the, the yeah yeah because if you look at the the type of these thoughts right yeah so, at least obviously for to each uh, their own in this particular case right but you know there is um, obviously sense perceptions if there are any you know birds chirping what not i mean that is that is one type of uh, thought that comes in um often times for me it it seems to be related to uh, memory of 
some things that have happened, right? So past memories getting getting replayed, right? It's literally a, a, a replay with some additional connotations. Uh, and then um, obviously uh, emotions. Um, and a lot of times it's also just random thoughts, right? It, it, it has no, it is just imagination. It is extrapolation, imagination, or ideas related to what you've been thinking about and, and so on, right? Um, and, you know, so, some of these are uh, bubbling up from the emotional mind. Some of these are bubbling up from the intellect. Like oftentimes it's, okay, you work, you've been working on a particular problem and suddenly thoughts start coming up related to that. So I, I view those opportunities as, okay, here's a great idea. I'm going to set it, set it aside because it does come up because when the mind is calm, uh, it's uh, the thoughts of, you know, maybe some things that work that you've been thinking about or something else that you've been um, pondering on. Uh, uh, it does generate really good ideas at that time. <laughs> and you just set that aside. And uh, um, so I, I, I do see sometimes the difference between thoughts that uh, come up from intellect and the other ones that are more um, emotionally attached, right? Uh, or past memory and so on. So, um, and even the, the, the voice in the head that says, oh yeah, you know what? You've drifted away, bring it back. That, that voice that's trying to pull, to me, that is the intellect. I wonder what others think. To me, that is the intellect that's trying to say, hey, hey, wait a second. You, you've gone off, meandered away somewhere else. Let's come back, right? That voice in the head, um, uh, I, I relate that to the intellect, right? Because that's easier to ask that intellect to, uh, to take a break and give it a stop. But the mind uh, is much, much harder uh, to, uh, to ask it not to generate, you know, all these random thoughts and just go off on a tangent. And so that's going to be much harder. The intellect part of it seems to be a little more uh, easier to uh, uh, not, I don't want to use the word control, to calm down, basically. Mukku, Vidya, you guys have been silent. Um, so with what Kishore said, um, I agree. Mind is kind of a uh, part of our own body, right? Um, in the sense that if we have to control the visible part of the body, uh, mind is uh, kind of invisible to us, but it is still part of body. And um, um the intelligent, like in the verses, I think uh, 38, 39, 40, uh, the way he says is we have to free the mind from all the desires and senses and meditate. Uh, but he also says in 39, I think, that the person who, who is wise or intelligent, he is able to see that self or Atman, not just a, a small visible part of a body, but as um as um, huge or ever pervading like a sky you know the akasha he uses the word akasha i think that that really um you know brought my attention to like how when we are meditating or when we are trying to meditate how we we kind of uh, compartmentalize ourselves into a small being or small object or shape or whatever or form it's just that when we try to take that 
all out, that's when you, you know, he, he, he kind of compares that with the um, vastness of sky. And that's who the Atman is. And we are just the witness. Uh, the Atman is just witness of all the desires and other things that we, we think are we. Okay. So, so that's how I see it. Um, but I, I agree with Kishore um, that mind is just, uh, it, it's like a monkey mind, huh? like Deepi said, uh, just wanders here and there. Uh, even with Japa or Mantra, sometimes uh, it's very hard. Uh, but I think that's what he's trying to say. Just try to see yourself as this vastness. Um, but how I'm going to see that every time, that I don't know. <laughs> I struggle. No, I, I get it. I completely get it. It's. Uh, I guess that. I guess I think we we're probably analyzing, um, uh, you know, what meditation is in the process of meditation in this particular discussion. What we're having, but my question to you is: first of all, um, why don't we just trust trust a, a particular set of instruction given by a master and just say this instruction is going to work? And just go forward rather than just analyzing. I mean, that's the other spectrum that you can take on, right? Rather than look at intellectual mind, emotional mind, senses, and all that stuff like what we've been discussing so far. I'm not saying you know we uh, we are we are on the wrong track. That's not that's not the point. The point is we are not on the wrong track. But the point is there's also another track. Absolutely, uh, what you said is what he is saying in very simple way, and we can make it complicated. But I think what he, what uh, Shankaracharya uh, is saying is that intelligent doesn't mean that you have to be really intelligent looking at all brain and everything. But he's just saying, take out that avidya. And that's what is difficult. It is so simple, but it is difficult. He's not even going and saying, analyze everything. He's just saying that that distinction of avidya just just understand that and know the Atman. But I don't know why it's taking so much time for us to. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is simple. It, that is very evident in all the shlokas that he's going through. But why it is so difficult, that answer, I have, I don't know. I, if I may, actually, the answer in many ways lies in the fact that um, the mind is filled with thoughts and it's, uh, you know, unless that slowly dissipates, it's like clouds uh, and until the clouds dissipate, we are only going to be seeing the clouds, right? And we can't see what is beyond the, the you know, in the, the blue sky, basically is not visible to us. So the thoughts have to dissipate. And, uh, uh, and once that happens, you do see the blue sky, right? Even if for glimpses, so a um, lot of effort actually goes in. There is effort initially, obviously, a lot of effort goes into whether it's through Japa or, or uh, being the witness consciousness. There is effort um, in doing so initially, right? <clears throat> but at some point, when, it, uh, when they're talking about Samadhi, I mean, this was a beautiful um, uh, talk by Swami T again. He's saying... Um, at, at some point, you, there is no effort, 
effort stops, effort completely drops. And then um, you think uh, uh, that is one, uh, and the, um, the one that, that is driving it later to, to that single pointed one thought is, uh, is um, um, basically it's based on the vasana that you have redrawn. You've kind of, during this repetition, we are redrawing the vasanas, right? And over a period of time, the redrawn vasana becomes so strong that you're able to, that it is able to drive the uh, single thought, right? It is even more powerful than the other vasanas that are driving other, other thoughts. So he was explaining that really beautifully and I'm not doing justice here, uh, obviously, but then he's saying that's how effort stops. So initially there is effort, but then effortlessness happens when the single thought is driven by the, um, the strong vasana that, of that single thought, the japa in this particular case, then there is no effort. So that was beautifully explained because, um, you know, thoughts happen without an effort. So if that thought is that of the, um, of uh, Aham Brahmasmi, let's say, then, and if that is very, very strong, then that is the one that's going to be there without effort. Actually, we experience that every day when we, when we fall asleep, effortlessly, we actually yes, experience, yeah, we actually experience that. Mm. Yeah. But in this case, it's a conscious experience. Of, yeah. Uh, in this case, it's a conscious experience. Well, one, one thing is to, to be consistent. Like I saw this message very nicely um, portrayed, uh, which applies to meditation too. Intensity is overrated. Consistency is underrated. Like we all want that perfect meditation bang experience all the time but we underrate the consistency with which we do every day. Uh, and then there was a follow-up quote to that, like in the short term, you are as good as your intensity, but in the long term, you are as good as your consistency. So, yeah. yeah beautifully said. We need to hope. Beautifully said. Beautifully, yeah, no doubt. Beautifully said. Even if it's five minutes, but it can be every day. Uh, that is more important than doing it for a much longer period of time. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, it gets back to the mechanics, right? You know, I, for example, the last one month, I fell off the wagon completely. I, I've, I've been waking up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Whenever I wake up, I wake up. That's, that's how it was for me. Otherwise, it used to be 4 a.m. for me and, you know, meditate and all that stuff. But last one month, I've been completely fallen off the wagon. The consistency is gone. And so when I'm trying to come back into it, it's much harder, actually. Yeah. <laughs> So I had a question and maybe it is um, you guys may have gone through this or uh, I try to say Hanuman Chalisa before going to bed. But sometimes I don't even know, you know, I try to complete it, but sometimes I don't even know whether I've even started that I'm asleep already. And, and then next day morning said, did I even say that I'm in that state? <laughs> I know I started it, but I, did I even complete it? Um, it? Has that happened to any one of you? Or? Vidya, it happens all the time, Vidya. That's, that's called <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> no, 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 that is true. But, it, but what I'm trying to ask, <laughs> yes, I slept off. <laughs> and I think all of us do that. Yes. But uh, it's, it's just that, uh, you know, you start a thing and it's not complete. That, that feeling, that's what I'm asking. 
to me sometimes i feel oh i have not completed but the other days i said okay i slept off yeah. but i still started it that is yeah. my ritual you know yes yes and some days of course i completed and i'm not i'm still awake so i i don't know what to make a meaning out of it or not but that happens and any any uh, any thoughts on this this kind of a experience i mean for me it happens almost every day when I, especially when i lie down and do a chanting i end up sleeping midway especially you know in your case it's hanuman chalisa in my case it's vishnu sahasranam but the point is i have no idea when i would have stopped it but that chatter in the mind i'm using the word chatter deliberately all that is japa that just stops mm, but the correct, point is correct. but the point is that so, is not japa the point is it's it's sleep at that point of time for me to the intention okay. to US... sleep before that or yes in in both yes. cases right yes so the yes, intent yes. was that yes. yeah hey yeah, i'm going to sleep right yeah that's the, the intention yeah sankalpa was to sleep then that's perfect <laughs> isn't it i mean because the intent yeah. is to sleep and you're calming the mind down um and the, the whole idea is to sleep so that's that, that's great <laughs> you okay that's true that's why you know <laughs> i don't I, it, it's not good idea to lie down and uh, do chanting yeah but i think mm-hmm. uh, vidya is saying whether whether she has finished the chalisa before the, she doses oh, off okay. that's the key yeah so that I, is I, what i'm asking uh-huh. yeah okay so 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 yeah it happens to me actually in my meditation that uh, you know the, there are some days when i will be uh, chanting and i will go off to sleep and then i will wake up uh, and then again chanting right so it's just like oh yeah. what happened there yeah. uh, that i just went off uh, to snooze and then came back it wasn't that my mind was completely uh, blank it is just that everything shut down for a few minutes and then i'm back on if that so helps. there are two ways i take it some days i take oh i haven't done it <laughs> some days i take it okay i slept off but the third thing that comes to my mind is that you know the mind is just shutting off because it doesn't even want to chant and is Correct. that the place that we want to go like just nothing well the way i have thought about this is that yes because you are sleepy or and the and the chant is actually calming your mind down and in a way it is just going into that switch off mode so whether your intention was to chant you know uh, and therefore go to sleep is is something you have to think about like for example yeah. for mm-hmm. even if i'm not falling asleep then i will start chanting gayatri mantra then i know by the fourth or fifth one i'll be off to sleep <laughs> so i use it the other way around that oh okay <laughs> yeah because i'm not getting sleep so i just chant gayatri mantra and then i am gone yeah um who who needs melatonin when we have such powerful meditation techniques right yeah, yeah. Like exactly chant something intentional exactly. yeah. guaranteed recipe <laughs> yeah. absolutely i have never I have never crossed eleventh count. Uh, trust me, it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, you know, one interesting observation that in, that I have in this thing is, this is where I think you know I um, I want to differentiate between Buddhist type of meditation and uh, the Japa and the Vedantic type of meditation that that we are trying to practice, right? See, in um, 
uh, and uh, just a little background you know i have i have actually done buddhist type of meditation for a very long time before i moved here now the point is vidya what you described in at that point of time when everything stops whatever you know, whether the mind wants to stop or whether whatever reason it happens you know it doesn't want even to chat buddhist meditation stops there it just says that is nirvana but for me that is not you know my personal experience was saying okay if it is nirvana so what you know there's nothing so great about it it happens every other day right and and uh, mm, and then right. then i felt that there was something missing and that's when i started searching back again and that's when i stumbled upon uh, vedanta and advaita that's mm-hmm. where then it said okay you know buddhist meditation says that there is nothing and that that you can experience it every day you can experience it in meditation practice but the point is you have to experience that you are everything there's a difference that's where the going back to what vp rajesh said the intention yeah. before meditation makes a huge difference yeah. what is it yeah. that you are intending you know are you intending to uh yeah. when i say use the word meditation as, as in japa or anything very loosely here the intention is to is it to sleep intention is to calm your mind intention intention is to understand the things in the right way what is the intention that you do with meditation and that makes a huge impact in the quality of what you do yeah, interesting well my intention was just to say hanuman chalisa there was no other intention <laughs> so uh, this is vidya yeah, this is muku so uh, uh, for me what happens is a little bit the other way around a lot of times i listen to a satsang when i go to sleep right satsang from a guru or something and then um, mostly like like rajesh said about 10 minutes i never cross it right Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mom always jokes that you know your pillow is going to get enlightened before i do joke good one <laughs> yeah she always teases me with that right um but uh, what i've also heard uh, my guru talk about um is the, the way you're saying right the um, when that space happens in fact he's, he always says the last the task you do when you go to bed is extremely powerful right like when you're if you are either doing nididhyasana the, the because that becomes a seed that stays with you through the whole sleep cycle right and it constantly can purify so it's like you you start you start cleansing it then it goes on an autopilot and then you wake up right so it's a very powerful um what you do in the night before you go to sleep as you as you fall into sleep is extremely powerful and in, in some of the satsang i've heard him talk about that uh, like the, the space that you talked about is dropping into turiya uh, right because what happens is if you just from a sense of enlightenment is you're you're chanting and you you kind of get into one one thought and then the one thought can drop into um, um in, into kind of a um, depending on what framework you look at right? if you look at the yoga framework you know uh, it goes from one thought to dhyana dharana samadhi right that's one one flow but that's the underlying science i'm saying right so it can drop into that the zone of no thought um uh, and and it's extremely powerful in fact he says if you all if we all can sleep in turiya every day right then he says the the it's almost like you 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 um exponentially increase your um the the enlightenment journey because at night also it's it, it's just constantly works that's what that's how he always has talked about it and i think it's a very powerful practice what you're doing uh, that that's a bottom line keep doing it Okay, so I shouldn't make a meaning out of it. I should just do it. Yeah, you should just do it. And 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 the japa will always a lot of times will end in that in that no thought zone, right? That's kind of what happens. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Don't. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good practice overall. Doing that, like as you did, is an important practice. Yeah. So, okay. Muku, I have a question on what you just said, if I may. Sure. Um, sure. You know, I mean, I thought Puriya is like um, beyond even the deep sleep, right? From what I understood of Swami SPG's lectures. So, so you're not going to. I mean. my point is how how do you know that you are into turiya because you are most likely into deep sleep and that's it right and because you're not awake you don't know so how how would you experience that turiya state see the the difference is when vidya articulated it right she gets into that mm-hmm. space in deep sleep you don't know you are in deep sleep you understand what Correct. i'm saying but the way yeah. she articulated there's a zone sometimes you'll catch um you are not in deep sleep but you are you are you are not you are not you are not you either it's difficult to explain but the way with the articulated it i think she's catching that zone is that's why that's why i said that i see okay the, the difference is the awareness right that yes. um, the awareness is there that um, that um, in deep sleep there's no awareness you only mm-hmm. are aware after the fact when you wake right. up that mm-hmm. you had a good sleep so that's usually mm-hmm. the proof that hey there was something something that was there that knew that uh, uh, there was an experience of deep sleep right so um uh, so in this case though you uh, are in aware awareness is still there so to me that's the uh, you know it, it, there is often this explanation of samadhi being like deep sleep but with awareness Yeah, actually, Buku, you said it well, and Kishor, uh, thanks for adding that color, right? So, VP, here is what it is, right? There are three things, right? The you can actually experience this, huh? The meditator, the process of meditation, and what you're meditating on. All three of them will actually merge when you're sitting down and meditating. You will not find any difference. You will not know that you're meditating. You will not know that you are the meditator. You will not even know what you're meditating on, but you are aware that you are there. You can, you will get that feeling. okay sometimes you know delhi, two, delhi two will merge for me sorry i said delhi dur hai for me aap to delhi mein ho delhi delhi kahan dhoond rahe ho delhi aapke paas hi to hai yes that's the typical uh, 100% vedantic answer <laughs> दिल्ली हमको दूर है सो गेटिंग बैक टू द टेक्स्ट राइट एंड आई थिंक दिस वॉज अ ग्रेट डिस्कशन इन टर्म्स ऑफ सम अदर मेडिटेशन प्रैक्टिसेस दट ईच वन ऑफ अस आर डूइंग सम चैलेंजेस व्हाट यू फेसिंग एंड ऑल दैट व्हिच you know reasonably ties into this particular you know set of shlokas that we are reading but why don't we just shift tack a little bit i think we touched upon it a little bit in terms of sleep and talk about those four uh, uh, you know the obstructions that come for meditation and how do we overcome that so so the first thing that i got of all discussion is don't make a meaning out of it so more we make a meaning out of it our mind just is a monkey mind right and bring Absolutely. it back to 
you know, there is no distinction of like how you said, the knower, the knowledge and the object of knowledge, right? No, that's yeah. a that's a great point, Vidya. I agree with you. That's uh, one thing. One of the things that I, I find it uh, uh, easy to meditate on, uh, uh, irrespective of the posture what I'm sitting in, is uh, you know when I when I meditate on Aham Brahmasmi, even if I'm lying down I can meditate. It's not a problem for me. But if I'm doing japa or any other type of uh, technique uh, that you know uh, it's described, lying down and uh, meditating is impossible. It's just a matter of few minutes that I uh, I sleep. So what I, what I'm trying to say is that you know if if you are trying to do anything else other than aham brahmasmi kind of a meditation, then perhaps lying down is probably not going to be very helpful. Uh, from the perspective of the sankalpa, what you have of meditating. So what is the sankalpa that you have, usually have? My sankalpa that I usually have is... Uh, that I, for example, when I sit down for japa, I'll say, you know, uh, you know, of, of course, I, I pray for peace everywhere. That's one thing. And then I will, uh, I will say that I have to, uh, for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to do only this japa. So I pray for that successful japa completion for that 30 minutes. That's it. Interesting. Okay. okay. So effectively, the way that I measure myself is very simple. I say, okay, uh, in this 30 minutes, let's say that I uh, uh, yesterday I had um, uh, 2 million thoughts uh, yesterday and out of which in my 30 minutes, I'm able to, uh, I'm able to uh, remember, uh, consciously remember, let's say 20, I'm just picking a number, 30, okay? But in, in, the, in the following day when I do the meditation, is it reduced or is it increased? If it is increased, that means... On that particular day, my uh, it has not been, you know, it has not been a great from from the perspective of results. It has not been great. If it is reduced, it is great. That's what I'm measuring. Make sense or uh, any other thoughts? Um, yeah, that is um, one way of you know thinking that that that's what we want to do. That japa has to be completed or that particular chant um, you are meditating on. 
but you don't go, go into meaning or any of the other things of of uh, the the uh, the atman you, you don't go into the vastness of atman all pervading and you know that infinite consciousness no i do i do vidya what i'm saying is there are different types of meditation right uh, i'm saying most of the time i do japa these days i that's why i'm i'm talking about japa there are okay, some days when i do uh, you know based on swami gurupurananda's uh, uh, teachings based on that i do what is called as expansion meditation i also aham brahmasmi meditation i do that and those things uh, both of them uh, i'm able to do it uh, irrespective of you know what i'm doing okay lying down or sleeping or whatever lying down or walking or whatever it, it i can do it but what i'm like i think we discussed it before right there are not there are not all the time that i might, i'm capable of getting to that state of doing that most of the time i see, I see. okay mm-hmm. yeah on those days when i'm ready you know when i when i mm. when i sit down for those kind of meditation it is very very easy for me to do that but um i'm saying i'm not capable of doing it all the okay. days okay yeah okay yeah got it now so rajesh i have a question when you're talking about your measure of success um you know having thought disturbances less today than yesterday let's say and that's a positive sign are you actually counting the number of thoughts because then that also in itself is a distraction not when not when i'm not in those 30 minutes but when you when you step back after the 30 minutes when you just reflect back on when you spend let's say even a minute then you will get a feel okay ha huh, this was good better than yesterday or you know right okay that's yeah. better yeah because yeah. that i also feel that yeah. once you come out you feel Oh yeah, it was nicer today, and but yeah. but that yeah. that's pretty much it. Right? Yeah, uh, and 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 uh, you know, contrary to what uh, Kishore was saying, right? Sometimes when your mind is calm, you'll get some ideas from your work and all that. You know, it it used to happen to me in the past, uh, but these days it does not happen, and I can't remember those ideas. Okay, that's a problem that I have. Uh, what happens is once I uh, come out of the meditation, all I get is some sort of a fuzzy feeling that okay. this is good this is not good kind of a fuzzy feeling but i can't remember mm. what happened in those meditations you know that sounds familiar i mean uh, that i also don't remember what exactly was the idea well most of the time it's not the idea it's just oh ye karna hai wo karna hai you know it's all those pending things that keep coming to you there um, i need to get this or that done most of the time thoughts are like that yeah that i mean that uh, vp uh, uh, that that used to happen to me quite often but then i do not know for, for some strange reason it just stopped i just can't remember anything anymore mm. so any other any other insights from the pages that we are reading hey mukoi 
what we just talked about right? the distinctions like the knower knowledge and known do not exist um, i think that's a, that's i i just love it i think the the way it, it just it just articulates it right the subtlety of that right sometimes like we all like like exactly like vidya said it's a space we just call it in very vague terms but the way i think acharya here as acharya has said it it's uh, it's very powerful just just loved it when i was reading that It was very beautifully written, actually, yeah. in the book. And also that the six uh, sources of knowledge, right? the way uh, they elaborate, right? But that's also, I thought, even that level of classification, right? Just is amazing to see how how subtly the, the things are getting classified in Sanskrit or, you know, in our scriptures. That is just, just a big aha moment. Uh, I mean, how much they understood the mind and the consciousness when I read that. Yeah, that that sixth source of knowledge is is a pretty good. Uh, that's why you know uh, there is a book uh, written by Shankaracharya, right? It's called Aparoksha Anubhuti. Uh, you know, you cannot say Paroksha because it is not. Uh, 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 it's not. It's not a indirect indirect experience. You cannot say it's Pratyaksha because it's not a direct experience. Mm. So therefore, it's a Aparoksha. You know, it's a direct indirect experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, in the uh, Yoga Sutras also, there is um, very uh, deep uh, discussions on the types of thoughts, right? Which is very enlightening, actually, to just even see that they've gone to this le- uh, level of an- analysis, right? And it, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> There's just a wealth of information. Yeah, it'll take a long time for science to catch up with the understanding of mind, what our scriptures have. Very long time. And one other thing that I liked was this uh, this um, simile of Arani that they use right in Shloka 42, verse 42, if you guys have. Uh, Remember that. That's a very beautiful uh, example. You know, you put a cotton yeah. and then mm-hmm. you keep rotating it. And then because of the heat generated, the cotton will catch fire. And yeah. then he likens it to saying that, okay, there is a real self, there is a ego. Uh, and then you put ignorance in between and you keep rotating it through the process of meditation. And that that ignorance is lit up and then ignorance goes away. And then when the ignorance goes away, the, uh, the uh, ego... Ego will also go away. You know, that is a very beautiful simile, actually. I wonder if uh, that's why we have this practice of, you know, when we have um, in Kartike, Puja, and when we light a lamp, it's always too um, irony that you have to <laughs> do together, not one. They always say have two. I don't know if, if you guys follow that. Oh, is it so? I I I, I never even thought thought about it. Can you explain that a little better? So when in in Tamil you say tiri, right? So you can make tiri. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are already made tiris, but always my mother has said, you know, take one tiri and have 
two of them and rub it in the hand and then only light the lamp. We never do with one, always two. Okay. Do you mean wonder, wick, wick, right? Wick, wick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> never known this. But I never questioned why two, and she never answered why two. If my grandmother was there, I would have questioned. <laughs> um, but yeah, because she probably would have had answer. And I'm thinking maybe it is because of this. When you said Arani, you know. I think there's also the other one, uh, uh, like was missing piece of necklace, right? Which is the, looking at the sloka here. 44. And uh, and there's a, there's a pretty good joke there, right? Where the guy goes to sleep, um, the brahmachari goes to sleep with his necklace on. Right, so he's doing japa like exactly like what we're talking, right? So he's doing japa, then he falls asleep. He puts it in the neck. He wakes up next morning. He like he looks for everything, but he couldn't find his japa mala, right? And uh, that example was, I think, is beautiful. And also, I could relate to that sleeping thing. Actually, as you were reading it, I could relate to. I also do that. <laughs> so it was good both ways. <laughs> I think the the point that they also talked about. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think I think VP summarized it pretty well. Delhi dur dur hai. It's exactly the same. <laughs> he said Delhi bahut dur hai. <laughs> Jab wo bahut pas hai. It's just uh, one comment I wanted to make, I think, on this whole discussion uh, was um, on, like, you know, when we meditate, the struggles of meditating, we remember, we forget, we remember, we forget that journey. Um, what I heard my guru say that the celebrate the time when you're, when you're remembering, right? There's a two ways we can look at it, right? Some of us will go with the guilt, why I'm not doing it, right? So when you walk out of the whole process, the, the uh, some of us will co- cognize that, oh, I'm not able to do it as a big part, right? I was able to only do it for five minutes or only two two times I was able to remember. Other 18 times I was distracted. Uh, so we can walk away with um, not being able to do it as a kind of a cognition. Or we can celebrate, I was able to do it two times, right? So he always says, always cognize it with celebration. Even if you do it once. Uh, just celebrate you are able to remember Krishna once or remember whatever, whatever the practice you're doing. Celebrate that that happened once, right? Let's not worry about why it did not happen. And he says that as you celebrate it, more and more the celebration itself will pull the, will 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 make that awareness happen. Uh, so, but if you cognize is not celebrating, he says you'll never be able to get to it because you're negating it to start with. That is a very, I mean, it is a very powerful insight personally for me when he told that. Because we always tend to like struggle with what we cannot achieve, right? We emphasize the not possibility higher in our minds in, in when we think about it. But he says always discard the not possibility. Celebrate, even if it just said for one second, celebrate that. Uh, and he says that celebration itself will has a momentum. Uh, as you nurture the celebration, it will just create a space. It will pull the awareness more and more. That's how he articulated very beautifully. And in fact, it's one of the 
Gita shlokas that comes later in chapter 4. So when he explained it, he said, just celebrate. Uh, even if you remember once, you remember and celebrate, I remembered Krishna once, or whatever, whatever practice you're doing. I was able to japa and I was able to count to five. Celebrate that, right? And then drop the negation aspect completely. Uh, then this itself will just has a snowballing effect to pull more more of that in awareness inside. So that's just one thing he said. I found it. I find it extremely powerful in my practice uh, when when he's talked about that because I used to do the other way around. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm able to only do it one minute, right? Oh, I, he's doing every eight minutes. I can only do one minute, thirty seconds, uh, so on and so forth. So, Beautiful, Muku. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Muku. I, I think that's really powerful. Yes, I found it really, really like I almost slapped in the face when I when he talked about it, because you know, we all tend to right like delve on what's not possible. Right? Some of the society, mm -hmm. unfortunately, teaches us to be that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is uh, this is a big guy opener. So when we make proposals in sales, right? You know, the customer asks for something, and then we write a response, RFP response to suit that. Okay, the customer has asked for ABC. We in a response, the customer is expecting us to tell us how we're going to meet ABC, okay? And beyond that, the RFP response, you know, they'll try to measure, uh, uh, compare, you know, vendors and then decide, decide. That's how the process goes, right? So they expect a particular format and everything. But then usually some of these services companies, you know, we also have a section called the art of possible, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Where we give a lot of BS, a lot of gyan to them. <laughs> so I think, Muku, what you're saying is you, you've got to focus on the art of possible rather than art of impossibility. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I think uh, uh, that's. I think that we're coming till verse forty-seven. We finished today, right? Till forty. Sorry, till forty-six. 46. We finished. Forty-six. 46. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, uh, Interesting journey in this book. And this book is really superb, actually. Atmavada. I have com completely enjoyed it. And uh, the way the similes and the way that it analyzes. And that I think whoever done this, these notes, I think they've, they've done a great job of, you know, uh, sharing what, what was being taught in the, in the lectures by the Swamiji and helping us understand. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. It's, uh... Mm hmm a big plus one. Uh, on their website, actually, uh, they have the entire Chinmaya Mission syllabus. It's like some series of 48 books or 48 scriptures taken. Uh, and Swami Guru Bhaktanandas uh, transcribed notes in exactly the same format, like classification of chapters and then consolidation of shlokas and then individual meaning of the phrases and then some small commentary on it. It's available for like all the 48 uh, 48 or so that's in the... Can you post that link, uh, Krishna? Yes, I will, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Actually, Krishna, please don't tell us that you have read all... <laughs> thank you. No, no. no. Uh, working my way through some of them. Uh, but but in our WhatsApp group description, there is a bit.ly link. Uh, bit.ly Gita Satsang. And so it leads to a doc. And in that doc, I put all these links. So that link is there from where you can download the full books, but also various different 
audio versions or uh, PDF versions of Bhagavad Gita and other scriptures that we are studying. It's there in the doc. Yeah. If not, I will add it and then we can all edit and make it. No, th thank you. Thank you, Krishna, for getting that because I know that uh, there was one question somebody, one of us in the group had saying that, you know, where are these documents that we keep posting and you know, sometimes I want to refer, it's not there. You did a great job of uh, collating all that information. Thank you so much. As I always say, the syllabus to Kai William seems hotter than Kai William itself, actually. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, what, what order do I read this? How does this fit? And it took me like, honestly, a year or a year and a half to finally figure out where even Bhagavad Gita properly fits, like in which order uh, we should read or uh, take that message from, right? Like, we just know the standard answer. It's like part of Bhagavad Gita. It kind of considered as Upanishad, but uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but 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 the uh, thing with uh, the internet, though, is you have a lot of sources, resources, and you do not know... Um, the, the wrong metaphor, you have to kiss a thousand frogs before you find the correct one. <laughs> you have to go down very many different websites and uh, what they have. Sometimes it's incomplete. Sometimes it's just their rough translation. Uh, and you want the, uh, you, you want a guru, a good acharya who, who's in that Shishya Parampara that we identify with. Like for example, Vedar Shankaracharya or Ramanujacharya, you want that lineage and interpret that, not, not add anything New. You can only give examples. Swami Paramatananda says that, uh, emphasizes that all the time. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in my earlier days, Muku used to tell me, okay, what is the source? What is the he'll, he'll question me, what is the source? And if I tell him some Wikipedia source, he'll blast me like anything. <laughs> That's important that the source, scriptural source is very important for this journey. So. All right. I think uh, we can probably uh, end uh, a little early today. Um, I still haven't figured out what, what should be the next locus, but maybe I'll just glance through it and I then I'll drop, drop an offline note for the next week, uh, GD. Okay? Sure. All right. Any other comments from anybody else before we say the concluding prayer? Good discussion. Yeah, agreed. All right. Let's get to the concluding prayer now. Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha, Sarve Santu Niramaya, Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu, Ma Kaschidukabhagabhavet, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, Sri Guru Bhyonamaha Harihiyo. Enjoy your day and the rest of the evening and see you next Thanks. weekend. Adio. 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 Thank Adio. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.